This is the Financial Compass with Matthew Brunner from Comprehensive Planning Associates. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Matthew provides his clients and prospects with the information that they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Matthew Brunner to help you find your financial direction. Hello and welcome to the Financial Compass. My name is Matthew Brunner from Comprehensive Planning Associates, LTD, or Compass in Fairfield, Connecticut. If you'd like more information about what you hear during today's show, give us a call, 800-339-9252, or visit us online at compass-ltd.com. While you're at the website, scroll on down to the radio section of the page, and you can check out past shows and subscribe to the program on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please don't hesitate to reach out to us with questions or to set up a face-to-face meeting. Now, during the last year, when so many people have been working from home, reducing their trips out and about, helping their children, grandchildren adapt to virtual learning, time has really become a funny thing. Hours and days have for some blended together. But you know who's been paying very close attention to the calendar? The IRS. <laughs> and today, <laughs> during today's show... We're going to discuss some potential tax breaks and credits for three different categories. Uh, The first category, people in their 50s and 60s. The second category is people who are self-employed. And the final category is tax breaks that are available to anyone. But before we get any further into strategies for dealing with the tax man, let me introduce the man himself, Tony Shore. Tony, how you doing? Yeah. Who's that knock, knock, knocking at my door? It's the tax tax man, of course. The mm-hmm. tax man cometh. I don't even think Uncle Sam's my actual uncle. Well, he is. You're just his <laughs> least favorite nephew. That's true. Pro- probably. <laughs> that's that's probably true. And, you know, it's funny. We are talking about taxes today, which is one of your three favorite topics, right? Communism, uh- taxes, health care. <laughs> Communism, yeah. taxes, and health care. And, 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 and to that, I just... Uh, Matt! Matt! <laughs> oh, Matt! Tony. <laughs> Matt! Yeah, whenever I get upset now during the show, you're just going to hear this. Matt! Whenever you say something something that I disagree with. Matt! So, <laughs> I know I have a hobby this time of year. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think we just found out what yours is. <laughs> oh, you know I love the sound effects. You know <laughs> you that. You do. You do. You know and that. As I, do I. Yeah, and I know you do you do as well. And I mean the advice the advice you always give. I'll call my financial advisor. Call your financial <laughs> advisor. Right? Yes. But I mean if but Matt, you make a lot of recommendations as far as where we should what we can do with the money we save on taxes after we, you know, look at some of the strategies out there. Uh but uh one thing I wanted to ask you about was the Fester Adams offshore retirement fund. <laughs> We would not recommend the Fester Adams Offshore Retirement Fund. Careful. That's, we don't want to make any individual recommendations <laughs> no, about anything. That's a joke. That's from Adams Family. Uh, yes. I, I love that. And I don't, what's that actor's name? The Fester Adams Offshore Retirement Fund. His voice is even, great. I can't think of it. He's, he's good, though. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. He was so, so good in that role. Well, hey, taxes. I, I mean, mm-hmm. what a 
What a topic. Uh, and But it is important. You know, people roll their eyes. Oh, do we have to talk about taxes? But I think it's really important, obviously. And there are so many strategies out there, uh, you know, as far as minimizing that tax burden, which everybody wants to do. And, you know, this is the perfect time of year to talk about it, obviously. And, uh, you know, I bet some people have already filed, but I'd be willing to bet most of our listeners out there haven't. So hopefully you've got some good insights for them today. How do you want to get started? Well, I think I'd like to, there's a lot of tips today and some of them will save you a couple bucks. Some will save you a lot of money, but let's face it, you know, every extra dollar you can keep in your pocket for you and your family, I think the better. Of course, we all need the services provided by our taxes, but when we see some of the bills getting passed and some of the other things that money is spent on, it is no wonder why people want to reduce their tax liability, in my opinion. So let's start looking at some potential tax breaks for people in their 50s and 60s. Now, there was a recent article in the U.S. News and world report and it was 10 tax breaks for people over 50 and i think it's got some pretty darn good information in there now while you're in your 50s and 60s uh it may mean yeah you're moving a little slower than you were in your 20s but the good news is there's some really good financial advantages to being in that age bracket now in that article from us news world report once you turn 50 and especially when you hit 65 you may get a bigger standard deduction you can potentially earn more before you even have to file a tax return and additionally if you're older than 50 you may be able to defer taxes or perhaps avoid them altogether on the money you're using for retirement and health savings accounts Oh, okay. And I knew you'd bring up HSAs. Uh, I know that that's an important tool for folks to use, but you said uh, bigger standard deduction. I do like the sound of that. Uh, tell us more about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I like the sound of that too. Now, as long as you don't itemize what you're deducting, you can utilize a larger standard deduction if you or your spouse is 65 or older. Now, the standard deduction for seniors, 65 and older in 2020, uh, for the tax year is $1,650 more than the deduction for people younger than 65 who file as an individual. And married uh, couples can bump their standard deduction by $1,300 if one spouse is at least 65 and $2,600 if both spouses are at least 65. Wow. Okay. So, and I know there's all these rules and you mentioned a larger filing threshold. Uh, What can you tell us about that? What does that mean? Yeah, uh, those who are 65 or older can have a gross income of $14,050 before they have to file a tax return for 2020. Now that's $1,650 more than younger workers. And for married couples, the threshold is $27,500 if both spouses are 65 or older. And it's $26,100 if at least one of them 65 or older. Now, note though, even if you're below the filing requirement, you may still want to file a tax return so that you can qualify for any potential tax credits or refunds of withheld income taxes. Right. There you go. And so uh, I don't think I'm breaking any new ground when I say that all this can be (laughs) confusing taxes, tax laws, and all those rules and requirements. So if you haven't already, you, you need to work closely with a financial services professional because they likely have a wealth of experience like yourself, Matt. You have insights when it comes to taxes and how they fit into your overall financial plan. Uh, you don't want to take on the tax man alone. 
No. And, you know, one of the things I like about our particular office is we have an EA. My sister Gretchen's an EA. That means an enrolled agent. And so she is a tax <laughs> specialist that uh, is an enrolled agent with the IRS technically. So, you know, that you have someone technically on your side uh, helping you with your taxes. It's one of those level of protections. I really like knowing that my uh my clients have that on their side. Those eyes are always on there on the decisions we're helping make in terms of their overall financial picture. And uh, so that said, let's get back to the more important things now. And listen, I don't, I know none of this is super exciting folks, but a lot of the things we're going to talk about, you may qualify for one or the other. So, you know, soldier on with us here and we'll try and make it fun, hopefully with some of Tony's good sound effects. But, um, <laughs> you know, another place for people who are 65 or older, uh, they may find some relief is with property taxes. Right off the bat, let's say this tax regulations differably depend on your state and uh, municipality. In some locations, people older than a certain age who earn below a defined threshold may be able to take advantage of property or school tax relief. It's not everywhere, but maybe it is in your, be sure to carefully research the property and school district taxes in your community. Make sure you're taking advantage of all your potential tax breaks. Again, you know, this is all money you've worked for and it's all, the more you can keep in your pocket, the better. And it may mean you have to fill out some extra paperwork, but it'll be worth it if it helps you save a few bucks. Right. And saving money is, is what it's all about. And I mean, you know, we all have, we all have problems, but. And also I have bad posture and severe financial problems. <laughs> See? <laughs> bad posture and severe financial problems. Perfect candidate for somebody who should be working with you. Now, the posture, Absolutely. I don't know how you're going to help them with the posture thing, but the financial problem. Well, my wife's a chiropractor. Is she really? <laughs> yeah. Well, how perfect is that then? And also, I have bad posture and severe financial problems. It's a one-stop shop for that guy then. That's a great referral for us. <laughs> that is a perfect referral. Now, uh, we've talked a lot about tax breaks for people who are 65 and older so far, but are there strategies out there, obviously, for people younger than that? There certainly are. Uh, how about once you turn 50, you can funnel an extra thousand dollars into your IRA uh, for 2020. That's a total of seven thousand dollars. So a worker in their 50s who's in the 24 percent tax bracket and who maxes out an IRA, they'd save sixteen hundred eighty dollars on their current tax bill doing that. Wow. That's that's mm -hmm. and that's nothing to sneeze at. And then 401k catch ups, nope. 401k catch ups also begin at age 50, right? You're like a swami. Yes, that, that's exactly right. Like workers who are 50. <laughs> I'm like a swami. You know what they call older. me. You know what my nickname is. Financial Panther, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, this is making tax info fun. <laughs> so workers who are 50 or older can defer income taxes on an additional $6,500 in their 401k than younger workers. Remember, taxes in your 401k aren't due until you begin taking withdrawals. Ah, okay. Well, yeah. you know, and this has been a great show so far. We have a lot to cover, so let's keep rolling. And I think uh, self-employed, I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit, and I think filing taxes can really be a source of anxiety for a lot of self-employed people. I mean, there's something to be said for having money just taken out of your paycheck automatically when you work for a company 
And that's a luxury that a lot of self-employed people probably don't have or, or obviously don't have. So what are some of the options that these folks have when it comes to tax deductions? Okay, so good news is there's a number of potentially very good options. Uh, and so uh, there's and if you don't follow along with them here, you want a little more information from them. Most of these you can be I'm sure can be found uh, on Investopedia. Uh, there's a, they have a great article there. There's 15 tax deductions and benefits for the self-employed. Um, these are all also great deductions that Again, my sister Gretchen's aware of another qualified financial professional. So if you're self-employed, your internet and phone bills are a good place to start here. Now let's talk about that. Whether or not you claim a home office on your deductions, you can claim the business portion of your phone and internet costs. You just want to make sure that you only deduct what you're directly spending on things for your work. Ah, well, sure. Uh, obviously. And I think a phone and internet deductions probably come into play, right? Because so many people have been working from home due to COVID-19, uh, mm -hmm. even for that. Yeah. Uh, most, so many people this year had home offices. Let's face it, you know, that what may have been a luxury before was now a necessity for your job having yep. internet connections. So uh, health insurance is, is another one besides internet connections. It's a significant area that self-employed people should be aware of. If you're covering your own health insurance premiums and don't qualify to participate in a plan through a spouse's employer, you can deduct all of your health, dental, and qualified long-term care insurance premiums. And additionally, you can deduct the premiums you paid to cover your spouse, dependents, children who are 27 or younger at the end of the year, even if you didn't uh, claim them as dependents on your taxes. I knew, so you've covered two of the three of your trifecta so far. Communism, taxes, healthcare. <laughs> taxes and healthcare, check, check. I'd like to see how you get to that first one, though. You want to start me on that road? No, we don't nope. have enough time in this show for nope. me to pick and that get, system We get apart. in trouble for that one, probably. So, nope, uh, we're not going to go down that road. Nope. Uh, clearly, if you're self-employed, I mean, working with a financial professional like yourself is pretty much a must and would be a smart move because uh a financial professional can provide self-employed folks with guidance, not only on taxes, but their overall financial strategy. And, you know, um, I, I think uh, that's really important. And, you know, one thing I'm always curious about as well is what a person can deduct when it comes to meals. I want to know uh, if I'm self-employed, can I write off that pizza buffet lunch? Uh, well, it all depends. It's possible. <laughs> and, you know, I know for you, you, the tough part is you have such an established history with pizza buffets <laughs> that true. they you might have a hard time. The IRS might say, going, nope, that's probably switching not. to business. Yeah, they're like, yeah. clearly, this is pleasure. Yeah. Um, and just but, handing my business card to the guy checking me out at the pizza buffet. That doesn't count, does it? Apparently not. No. So, no. <laughs> but, but listen, meal deductions can be a real source of confusion for a lot of people. You can deduct meals whenever you're traveling for business or you're at a business conference or entertaining clients, but don't forget that the meal can't be overly extravagant. So there's one plus on the pizza side, unless you get like one of those pizzas with like, you know, red potatoes and pears or something. That's an <laughs> extravagant pizza and it shouldn't yeah. exist anyhow. And if you eat that pizza, we're probably not going to be friends. No, but, no. Yeah, uh, same, same. <laughs> well, listen, the article also notes a temporary rule change meal deduction. So uh, in 2022, you can deduct 100% of your meals as long as they're served in a restaurant. Well, through 2022. Okay. Now, I don't know how picky they're going to be about, you know, curbside or to go. 
because there's not an awful lot of eating in restaurants in a lot of states. So uh, that one might be touchy. But previously, you could only deduct 50% of the meal's cost if you kept your receipt or 50% of the standard meal allowance if you have a record of the time, place, and business purpose of the meal. So still make sure, especially in these times when it's a little, you may be entertaining clients uh, remotely, you may be sending them lunch, et cetera, and doing a Zoom meeting, make sure you're saving those receipts because you, if you're getting it from the restaurant, you're going to have to have that receipt if you're providing that food for a client meal. Right. But that's an interesting rule change. And that's a nice, if temporary perk for a lot of self-employed people, they're giving a hundred percent instead of 50. And I think they're doing that because fewer people are eating out <laughs> meals and expensing it and doing business meals out. So they, they upped it, you know, because they're mm-hmm. still probably going to, the IRS is probably going to still make about the same off of it. So, I just don't, I don't want it to become one of those things that becomes, you know, all of a sudden all these meals that were expensed out and properly. So if you did it right and then they decided, oh, well, you know, it wasn't technically in the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. You got to um, be so, careful with the IRS. Yeah. you, you Like wanna... they were going to do with the PPP loans and then they were going to tax it as income, you know, so just want to be sure. Generally in the end, you know, especially during these times, they've made some decent decisions for for people and, and business owners. But um, just save your receipts for those right. ones and document so, who you are providing food so for. So what's the next uh, topic you want to cover? I think the next critical subject is travel. Now, simply put, to qualify for a tax deduction, your business travel must be longer than an ordinary workday. You must include sleep or rest and take place outside of the area of your tax home, which is generally considered the city where your business is located. So it, it doesn't mean you can go a city over and take a nap and sure. qualify that as a thing. But, you know, the the rest, uh, again, sleep or rest uh, outside of your tax Area. Additionally, qualifies a business trip. You need to have a specific business purpose scheduled before you leave home. And during the trip, you must engage in real business activity. So business activity includes cultivating new clients and customers, meeting with clients, learning new skills that directly benefit your business. As the article does note, though, handing out your business card during a friend's Las Vegas bachelor party does not make your trip a tax deductible business expense, even if the party was at a pizza buffet, Tony. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So uh, it it probably goes without saying, but if you do travel a lot for your business, you want to make sure you're keeping accurate records and receipts then in case the IRS gets curious about what you're up to. So what are some of the rules for self-employed people's vehicle use? Yeah, listen, I'd even go as far as to the first, before I answer that question, like if you're at a conference, save your name tag, put it in your tax book keep it with it. If they ever have, you know, you have those things, you logged into that. A lot of conferences are in a lot of destination cities. So it's very easy for it to not always look like business. Save the name tag that you get for, uh, that you're wearing around the conference for the while. It's a good thing to have in your, in your backup. Um, so, um, I'm sorry. The one was some of the rules for self-employed person's vehicle use. Uh, that, uh, another great question. Sorry. wanted to back up and answer that last piece. If you're using your car for business purposes, your costs for those drives are tax deductible. Now it's another place where really tighter record keeping is going to be really important because you want to track the date, mileage, reason for each trip. It's important to not claim personal trips as business trips. Luckily there are apps for this kind of stuff. Now I'm not going to sell anybody's app for them, but there are a lot of apps that help you manage those things now too. Sure. So how does that deduction work though? 
Uh, uh, the easiest step, calculate the deduction using the standard mileage rate. It's determined by the IRS. For uh, 2020, it's 57.5 cents per mile. And for 2021, it'll be 56 cents per mile because, you know, the cost of everything's going down every year. Oh, no, wait, it's up. Um, I'm not sure why that is. <laughs> but uh, simply write down the miles you've driven and then multiply them by the standard rate. And your total is then deductible. Yeah, they need to explain to me how the rate could possibly have went down. <laughs> it's like that doesn't make any sense. Well, how about education write-offs if you uh, are doing mm. continuing education to help with your work? Okay. So, yeah, there's two kind of classes uh, classes here. One, uh, you any education expense you want to deduct have to be related to maintaining your business or enhancing your skills in a way that will improve your business. So the expense for classes intended to help you prepare for a new career aren't deductible. So if you're a self-employed electrician and you're doing stuff on, you know, new new panels that you could put in and new fuse running, set, you know, new things to help people not get shocked or something, that's one thing. Um, if you're an electrician and you're taking a real estate class to get your real estate license, that one is not because that's not related to your your existing career so once you are a real estate agent any of those continuing ed classes would count but it's got to be in the same field sure yeah and that makes perfect sense now during our show today we're talking about strategies for tax season and we've talked about uh, benefits for those in their 50s and 60s tax breaks for the self-employed now finally uh, we've addressed those two now it's time to look at some potential tax breaks that anyone can utilize how do you want to get us started with that? When you said I addressed those two, I thought you were going back to communism again. <laughs> no. <laughs> Matt! Matt! <laughs> don't, don't get off track here. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So, um, well, there's some, there's some for everyone. Now, let's, uh, the first easy-to-miss deduction is out-of-pocket charity contributions. It's, for a lot of people, easy to remember big charitable contributions. Now, chances are you made some smaller gifts during the year. Now, for example, did you make a meal or a dish for a nonprofit fundraiser? <clears throat> Guess what? The ingredients you used may be deductible. <laughs> wow. If you if you helped your kids mail out flyers for their school's fundraising event, the stamps you purchased may be deducted. Wow. So depending on how organized you are, how good a record you keep, listen, again, these may seem very trivial, but why not protect every dollar you can? and keep it in the, in your, in your family's pocket. If you it, make sure you're keeping your receipts and if your contribution is more than $250, you will need the organization to document your contribution. Okay. Now I have a, I have a crazy one because this is funny. Uh, this is a true story. A friend of mine recently told me that gambling losses can be written off your taxes. And I'm not a gambler, but I found that fascinating that he claimed that. Is that true? You're not a gambler. Don't you think you ga took a gamble even asking me that question? <laughs> Doing a podcast with, no, with me. <laughs> no. um, you bet. So here it is. It is true. It's true. Uh, wow. It's not without its wrinkles, though. Uh, this deduction is only available if you itemize and it's limited to the total of gambling winnings you report as taxable income. Ah, see, there's the catch, though. Yeah. yeah I bet you your have friend to actually report his... your winnings in the first yeah. place. Yeah. You should, uh, another thing to know, in addition to losses at casinos and racetracks, you can also deduct losses you've incurred through non-winning bingo cards, lottery tickets, raffle tickets. So, yeah, keep if you play, you know, the what are, what are those number Powerball or whatever yep. every week? 
save that. And if you win at some point during the year and and you have to claim it, then you can also use any of those tickets you didn't win to offset those those winnings. So, But you have to keep the receipts. Uh, The IRS also urges keeping a daily diary of your gambling activity that details the date, type of gambling, the name and location of the gambling establishment, the names of the people you gambled with, and the tallies of what you won and lost. Now, if I know anything about gamblers, what they love doing is keeping very accurate (laughs) records of how much right. money they've won and lost. Right. And also, all their friends love it when they keep detailed records for the government to know when they went to the casino as well. <laughs> exactly. So um, this is one of those ones that, yes, while it's it exists, and I'm glad you asked the question because it can be helpful for people, especially if they have a lot of losses to offset their winnings. Sure. But, uh, you but know, first of all, you have to claim your winnings in order right. to do this and, you know, and have winnings in order to do this. So that eliminates, I would say, probably 99 percent of gamblers out there. But well, there's yeah, a lot of incidents. There's a lot of incidents. If you sometimes you just you pull that slot machine and you win big. Right. Sometimes a person only puts a quarter in once in their life and somehow hits a slot machine. Right. And then th- that it depending on the size of the pot. The casino is going to make you report it. Yep, you will. It'll get reported one way or the so, other. So, yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. should then, you know, make sure if you're staying somewhere, if you took, if you hit that slot machine on your way into Vegas and you're like, what's this week going to bring? Make, keep very good records of what you might lose for the rest of the week to go there against go. those, those wins. Wow. If nothing else. That's interesting. So what do you have next for us? Oh, here's one. Here's one kind of as off the rails as uh, these gambling mm-hmm. question jury pay that's jury probably duty? one that a lot jury of people pay? haven't yeah pay yeah the jury pay a lot of people haven't considered this one before uh, many employers continue to pay their workers while they're serving on a jury now with the stipulation though that they're going to give the jury pay to the company the problem is the irs requires you to report your jury pay as income mm. so to balance things out you can deduct the amount of jury pay you give to your employer how's that sound tony yeah it sounds yeah. weird i i guess i don't know i've never had any experience with that um you're and, and, always busy when they call you for jury duty aren't you i'm very busy no yeah <laughs> but uh but uh, well i only got called once and i didn't end up having to see it fell through you know i went down and reported and i honestly i, I not to get too far off topic here i got called once but it was when i i didn't live in the state i had moved And they called me for jury duty. I didn't live anywhere. I was on the other coast and I was bummed. I really I'm looking forward to the day where I actually it's one of those things you get. You know, it's part of your civic duty in a way. And and I've never gotten the chance to even do it. Yeah, I went down there and they sent me home. They said, oh, we're not going to need you. Like, uh, yeah. So you sit at least there you for got a couple go, of right? hours, yeah. you sit there for a couple hours and then they say no. So it's like, OK. <laughs> But you're right. And uh, I think that's certainly one a lot of people probably haven't considered. Now, uh, one thing I do know about and I wanted to ask you about, what about child care, uh, oh, okay. child care costs? All right. So with child care, you can claim a tax credit yep. rather than a deduction. Which is even and better. That, yeah. It may come with more advantages because it reduces your overall tax bill dollar for dollar. For example, so if you're in the 24% tax bracket, each dollar of deductions is equivalent to 24 cents, but each dollar of tax credits is worth an actual dollar. 
Now, you may qualify for a tax credit worth between 20 and 35% of your child care expenses while you work. There is, however, uh, if your employer provides a child care reimbursement account in which you can pay for child care with pre-tax dollars, that might be an even smarter move because money that flows through a reimbursement account isn't subject to federal income tax, and it's also shielded from the 7.65% uh, payroll tax as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what my wife and I, I did as well. Uh, so that's, that worked out really well and make sure you're working, uh, your childcare expenses to your advantage. It definitely seems like another great reason to work with someone like yourself who can catch these things and explain them. And I know you and your sister do this for your clients. I think that's very helpful. Listen, I won't lie to you. Gretchen catches these things. I teach people about them. <laughs> right. There you go. So, yeah, uh, she's the, the tax yeah, professional. Yeah. And uh, another one, uh, the credit for dependents is another potentially valuable <laughs> credit to be aware of. There's a sep uh, this is a separate one, $500 credit for your dependents who don't qualify for the child tax credit. So your older children who don't require daycare can still save you some very real money when it comes time to file your taxes. And this credit also applies to older relatives if you're caring for them in your home as well. Oh, wow. Well, and I'm I'm the first to admit that all of these tax rules and deductions and credits, it can seem overwhelming and that it's a lot of information. But in my experience, if you do a little homework, have a good financial professional you work with and take a couple of deep breaths, it's all you need. It's all you need for a lot of situations. That's sage advice, Tony. Again, you're like a <laughs> swami. You're the, you're the financial panther. <laughs> the financial panther. Oh, uh, gosh. But real quick, one last thing. Panther, eh? <laughs> I know we're getting close here, but uh, kiddos for a moment. In a lot of communities, there's a private K-12 tuition seems to be rivaling the sticker price at some colleges. Now, thankfully, you can pay your kids private tuition school from the saving, same savings accounts that are used for college tuition. Um, might be or might not be the best financial move. Always talk to your advisor, but you can take a tax-free distribution from a 529 savings plan for as much as $10,000 per student every year to help cover the cost of tuition at a religious or private K-12 school. And while you can pay from multiple 529s, though, always remember you can't go over that total limit. Yeah. And and if private school is 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 actually part of your plan, it's definitely a deduction you want to utilize. Now, this has been a terrific show today, but we're out of time. Is there anything else you want to add before we go, Matt? Uh, I, I, we Listen, we covered a lot and I hope at least through the sound effects, we made it somewhat interesting. Yeah. Uh, I know. <laughs> there it is. I uh, I know taxes are not something we all like to think about, and it's always not. It's nearly not the most exciting information in the financial world. But if you don't, if you didn't know one of these rules, think about how many other rules you might be missing. Right. So reach out, talk to someone who specializes in taxes. Certified financial planners generally are pretty darn good at it. CPAs are darn good at it. I think REA is one of the best at it. Uh, I love the all our you know clients. We take care of almost all of their uh, tax needs. And when I say almost all, there's like two of our managed clients that we don't do their taxes. Everyone else, we do their taxes. And uh Make sure you're finding every last dollar you can get back, deduct, and uh, can get the credits for. It's They're out there. The rules are there. And you always hear about all these people who know all these tax rules and take advantage of them. Well, with working with a qualified financial professional, you can be one of those same people. If you want any help with that, if you want to talk about what how we might be able to help with that, 
when we sit down, our initial consultation is always complimentary. There's no cost. There's no obligation. Give us a call 800-339-9252 or visit us online at compass-ltd.com. All right. Sounds great. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of The Financial Compass with our host, Matthew Brunner. Thank you for listening to The Financial Compass. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Matthew Brunner at Comprehensive Planning Associates. Call 800-339-9252 or visit their website at compass-ltd.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Insurance products and services, fee-based financial planning, and investment advisory services are offered by Comprehensive Planning Associates, LTD, Compass, a registered investment advisor in the state of Connecticut. Securities are offered by Gretchen Brunner and Matthew Brunner through Gradient Securities, LLC, Arden Hills, Minnesota, 866-991-1539. Member FINRA, SIPC, Comprehensive Planning Associates, LTD, Compass, and Gradient Securities, LLC are not affiliated companies. Gradient Securities, LLC, and Comprehensive Planning Associates, LTD, Compass are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. Please refrain from posting reviews of your experience as this may be considered testimonials and are prohibited by the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC. Like should not be considered a positive reflection of the investment advisory services offered by Gradient Securities, LLC, GS, and or their investment advisor representatives.